You may be surprised to learn that the cross did not become a central symbol of the church until the 4th century. Some say that it never should have become such an important symbol. They usually are reacting to a shame-based theology of the cross, which isn't what we preach and teach at Second Presbyterian Church. However, the cross is central to the story told by the Gospels. And so, this Lent, we will preach Christ and Him crucified, just as the Apostle Paul said we should do. We've titled our series, Lift High the Cross, borrowed from the famous hymn with the same title. We will look at what the cross reveals about us and about God. We will speak of sin. Yes, we will. But speak also of the grace and hope of the cross and how human dignity is encouraged and not destroyed. Give a listen. If you want to hear the prayers and music of the worship surrounding the sermon, find us on YouTube or online at sprez.org. So let us pray. Holy God, as we turn to your word in scripture, sermon, and sacrament, we ask that your spirit move in the waters and in our hearts so we may experience a visible sign of your invisible grace. Amen. Continuing our sermon series, Lift High the Cross, we turn our attention to the cost of discipleship that is to carry our cross and follow Jesus. We're reading from Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 26. Listen for the call and cost of discipleship, but more importantly, listen for the Word of God. The Word of God then, and the Word of God now. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and for those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I began to tell people or people began to hear that I was going to seminary, I received some mixed responses. Wow, that's great. I knew you would end up in ministry. I knew it. It was only a matter of time. Very cool, Ben. Hmm, I can see that. Seminary? Like a pastor? Okay. And then one of my favorites. You sure? I didn't know how true and honest that question was. And then there was a group text that I was in with some friends that, a friend group that we would meet on occasion once or twice a year for various events, put on fundraisers and other things. And the group was formed by a friend coming together in Nashville 
a friend who had a farm, and people were invited. And the group was called the Farm Fam. Well, I think it was just before I left for Austin, Texas to attend Austin Presbyterian Theological Seminary. I completed my first year there before moving to Union Richmond. Or it was right when I moved there, I can't quite remember, but one person from the group texted out, Ben starts seminary soon, send some love. Then I received replies like, congrats, Ben. Blessings to you, brother. Prayers for the journey before you. And then this one, R.I.P. Ben. (laughs) Saying goodbye to the one we knew. That one took me by surprise. It hit me in the gut, actually, and it kind of hurt. Like, I'm still going to be your friend. At least I want to be. Like, I want to still be friends with you. I thought to myself, nothing is going to change. I'll be the same person I am now after I graduate. See you next year on the farm. Well, our passage causes me to have the same reaction. It hits me in the gut as it should all of us. And it kind of hurts to think about. Just prior to this exchange, Jesus asked the disciples who people say the Son of Man is. And then asked the same about the disciples. Pointing to himself as the Son of Man, connecting his two questions, Jesus asked, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, of course, answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus praises Peter and his confession, declaring him blessed and a recipient of divine revelation. Yet in the passage we just read for today, Peter is the one who is likened to Satan. Such was the rock of faith and discipleship just six verses earlier is now a rock that causes people to fall and stumble. Peter, like me, was very sure of himself and professing his faith. But it is one thing to talk the talk. It is another thing to walk the walk. And for Peter, and sadly for myself as well, the walk of faith, the path of discipleship, never included a cross-bearing death. For Christ, for Peter, or for myself. Following Peter's rebuke and Jesus' startling rejoinder, the moment shifts back to the disciples as a group. Jesus no longer teaches about faith and word alone, neither does he simply explain his divine mission. Rather, he teaches through illustration, demonstration, and action. This whole section shows a shift from talking the talk to walking the walk. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to show the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly. Jesus illustrates that as a disciple, it is time to walk the walk, and the walk they are now called to is a walk with their own cross upon their back. If you are my disciples, deny yourself and take up your cross, and follow me. The call of discipleship is a personal one. Do you want to be Christ's disciple? Then deny yourself. Take up your cross, 
lose your life in order to save your life. Carrying your cross is the act of putting to death those things that stand in the way of full discipleship. Those things that serve you and only you, those habits of overindulgence and consumption. To carry your cross is to put to death what is not God-pleasing in your life, to remove the temptations in your life that draw you away from God. You see, we have this understanding that Christ died for me, that Christ took my sin to the cross. The question then turns into, if Christ died for me, then I should be willing to die for Christ. So I have this cross to carry. It is mine to bear, and it is mine alone. Too often, however, this individualistic understanding of cross-carrying becomes egocentric. Even if we preach self-denial, denying the self is part of it, but if it ends there, then all we have done is become escapists, preoccupied with the external without dealing with the internal. We push our thoughts and feelings to the side and turn our focus outward and upward to Christ and his salvific love. And some would say that is the call to deeply and truly with our whole mind, body, soul, and strength focus on the salvation Christ brings, for me at least. The cross we are called to carry is our own, but not to the end of personal salvation and our individual heavenly reward. The cross we carry is the cross of Christ, who God sent because of God's love for the world. The cross we carry is the cross of Christ, whom God sent in love for all creation. I read a story once about a man who was talking with Jesus as one of the disciples in our passage. Convicted, he, st- he takes up his cross to carry, but then he asks Jesus if there was a different cross for him. You know, this one is too heavy, he thought. So Jesus invites him into a room or cave, I can't exactly remember, that is filled with crosses. And the man walks through it as if he is shopping for a new pair of shoes. He passes by some Some big ones. Well, they're not his size. Then he picks up some to get a closer look and feel the weight. And after a bit of shopping, he spots one in the back. Ooh, I want that one. And Jesus said, that is the cross you carried in here. See, everyone has a cross to carry. Each person has their own burdens, their own evils they are dealing with, spoken and unspoken, known and unknown. And if we remain, or at least try to remain, our own hero in our suffering, then we lose the universal call to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Richard Rohr, in his book, The Universal Christ, he speaks to the universal longing of humanity of which we each participate in. And when we understand this and make such a shift, 
It softens the space around our overly defended hearts. War continues to say that mystics go so far to say that individual suffering does not exist at all. And that there is only one suffering. It is all the same and it is all the suffering of God. A crucified God is the dramatic symbol of the one suffering that God fully enters into with us. Much more than for us. The lone individual is far too small and insecure to carry either the weight of glory or the burden of sin on his or her own. Jesus says, if you are to be my disciple, then take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross, the pain and hurt and burden that weigh upon your shoulders and follow Jesus. Follow Jesus to the place of universal pain, universal hurt, universal burden, where we find a community of wounded healers one of which is God in Christ. Before every baptism, as we read today, we read a passage from Ephesians that says it all. You are called into the same body, into the same spirit, into the one hope, a hope in and of God, who is the God of all, who rules over all things, who works through all things, who is present in all things. And if we understand that all suffering and crucifixion is of the one body, then we are open to the crosses that others carry. And it is then that we may join in the reconciling work of Christ's cross for all. It is then that we realize that my salvation is part of your salvation. It is then that we realize my liberation is bound up in the liberation of others. It is then we realize my reconciliation is the reconciliation of all creation through Christ, with Christ, and in Christ. In carrying your cross, you join the fight of compassion and empathy for others in a world so consumed with the ego. You join the fight of resisting evil systems of the world, the systemic empires of oppression, inequality, prejudice, racism, and hatred. You join the fight in standing up against politics of division. And if suffering and crucifixion is of the one body, then that body, the body we participate in and fully experience together with Jesus Christ, then that body, is to the one body of resurrection. Amen. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.